Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back again, and it is episode 88 today, and we'll be discussing the book Figure Eight by Jeff Nania. Things are slowing down a bit at work, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. It needs to be busy at work for me to make money, but I also like to have a life and have time to breathe too. We had a great time at the state fair. I got to try the Irish Dipper, which was one of the Sporky's finalists. And that's the Wisconsin State Fair's food competition is the Sporky's. So they pick some of their top favorite new food samplings, and then you get to try them all. And then there's one that's picked as a winner, which it was a beer cheese lava cake. That was the winner, which looked pretty good, but I really wanted to try the Irish Dipper, which was phenomenal. But the winner, the beer cheese lava cake is like it was in a pretzel bun and you cut it open and then it's beer cheese that pours out of it. So very Wisconsin. And the Sparky's very original name, I know, but it's always a good indicator of which foods to sample. And I always look up the articles before we go to state fairs so I can see what things I might want to try. And of course, there's always things that I want to try along the way, but usually there's at least one or two things on the the Sporky's list that look absolutely amazing to me. And we had some deep fried Oreos, which are surprisingly good. I am not a huge fan of Oreos, but the light breading and then having them all nice and warm and gooey makes all the difference to me. Give me a cold Oreo and I will totally pass, but deep fried Oreos, all the difference in the world. And my feet still hurt, (laughs) but at least walking around all day helped work off some of those calories for all the delicious foods that we ate. I'm still mad though that the Wisconsin Pavilion does not have the lamb sandwiches anymore. I'm not sure if the farm went under or if they just don't sell at the fair anymore, but that used to be my absolute favorite. And I would go get a lamb sandwich every single year at the state fair. I'm really sad every time I walk past the space that it used to be in at the Wisconsin Pavilion. The boy had grilled cheese, of course, which to me is not a necessary food item, but they are cheap and they crank those things out like pros. And of course, it's a good Wisconsin thing to have is grilled cheese. (laughs) I love the State Fair and I love doing it with a kid and making memories, but dang, it's always so hot and exhausting. I feel like I need a day to recover after that. My folks are visiting this weekend too, and I am very excited to see them. We haven't totally decided what we're going to do, but it's my dad's birthday, so I'm treating him to a homemade dinner of cedar plank salmon on the grill and some lemon broccoli with pine nuts. I know my parents always appreciate my cooking, and I like to try to make something special for them that is healthy yet delicious. They've done so much for me over the years, and while I know how much they that they know how much I appreciate them. I feel like I can never show it enough. I am truly fortunate to have the family that I do, and I hope my kids feel the same way about me once they've gotten over the trauma of me being such an imperfect parent. I'm always trying my best. It's especially hard during times like this where I'm working so much to make ends meet and money is tight, so we have less that we can do. And I'm too tired from working so much to be creative on the tight budget that we're on. So now is one of those times I kind of feel like I'm failing as a parent, but it is what it is. And hopefully I don't do too much damage to my kid. (laughs) Well, as I said last week, it's just the stage I'm at now and I won't always be here. I'll be in a very better, I'll 
be in a very better spot. I'll be in a better spot very soon. And I still believe that all my hard work will pay off. And we did get to enjoy the state fair and had a blast. So there's definitely things in life that are still amazing, even during these tough times. As for the booze this week, as I promised, we're having a beer. And I honestly don't know if I've repeated breweries before or not. I've definitely tried not to, but I absolutely had to with this book because this week's beer pairing is Kugel's Juicy Peach. First of all, it's the perfect summer beer. And second of all, figure eight, the book we're talking about mentions Liney's multiple times, so nothing else would do. The first time I sampled Juicy Peach, I didn't think I was going to like it because I smelled it and it smelled so sweet and peachy. It seemed like it had already bitten into a fresh Juicy Peach. You know, the kind that drips down your hand and between your fingers before you can even stop it, which I kind of hate because I don't like that sticky feeling. So the ones that you have to like eat outside because you don't want to get it all over you. At least that's what I remember from my childhood summers. And I don't love sweet. I just prefer my beers to be more hoppy or dark or amber. But when I took a sip of this, I loved it. Now, don't get me wrong. It is a little sweet. It's too sweet for me to drink more than two of. And for me, maybe someone else can drink more. But it was surprising how like not sweet it was. I had it for the first time at a bar with my best friend Susan when she came to visit. And I've ended up buying it a few times now. It's a refreshing and fruity summer beer that is perfect for sitting outside with a fire and a grill. It comes in at 4.4 ABV and 10 IBU. The Lainey's website says it's tart, but in my opinion, it's not really tart, just not overly sweet. And actually, apparently it's a year-round beer, though for me, this one is much more appropriate for summer. And since we're talking about a good Wisconsin book this week, I paired this with some fried cheese curds and a good cheeseburger. As far as the author goes, I had never heard of Jeff Nanya before. And once I started researching him and his books, I was pleasantly surprised to see he's had a moderate amount of success. I also have to confess that I did break my no-buy book year to purchase figure eight. While the boy and I were on vacation, we spent some time in Baraboo to go to Devil's Lake and swim and also have breakfast at the log cabin. Service wasn't great at log cabin, but the food definitely made up for it. And also there is the name of a place log cabin in the book. And I swear like every other city in Wisconsin has a place called the log cabin. (laughs) It's just the way things are around here. But I wanted to walk around downtown and browse some of the local shops. And despite being on a no-buy book year, I am drawn to used bookstores like A Moth to a Flame. So we wandered into the Village Booksmith in downtown Baraboo. And if you haven't been and are a reader, make sure you go. It is the perfect bookstore, and I could have spent half the day there browsing the shelves for obscure books that I know I would absolutely love. Even the boy said when we walked in, we better not stay here too long. (laughs) And I told him, I'm not buying any books, so we won't be here long. (laughs) He looked at the manga while... um, I slowly looked over the titles and sections like Wisconsin history and local flavor, all while breathing in my favorite scent that used books give off. I was in heaven. Then I saw it, a book called Spider Lake. And I picked it up immediately because when I was growing up, we had a cabin on Spider Lake in Mercer. It couldn't be a coincidence, could it? Well, I am pretty sure that my spider lake and this spider lake are one and the same. Though Jeff Nanya uses many real names of Wisconsin lakes and rivers, but the setting is a fictional town of Miss Muskie Falls. And Spider Lake was 
the second book of his series about retired officer John Cabrelli. But I wanted book one, which is figure eight. I looked it up online. I saw I could buy it on Amazon, so I could have asked for it as a gift. And honestly, I know there are several people in my life that would happily buy it for me because I know such amazing, wonderful people. And I know such amazing, wonderful people that know I'm on a no-buy book here this year. But the sticker said, signed by the author, and that jumped out at me. I can't help it. I am a sucker for having books that are autographed by the author and also helping out local bookstores that aren't corporate giants. So I bought it. And I talked to the owner or whomever it was that was working, but he seemed like he could have been the owner. And then I noticed it wasn't even signed. And the owner said I could bring it back because the author is local and he would be back to sign. So I do plan on bringing it back to be signed, but I was pretty disappointed about that. And it was kind of one of the main reasons that I did want to buy it. And I did want to break my no buy book here, but also I really, really wanted to read it too. (laughs) I'll be giving it to my parents to read. And once I get it back from them, I'll take it back and get it signed. But now let's actually talk about the author. Jeff Nania has a website called Feet Wet Writing because as he writes in the book, he believes that the best experiences in learning come from diving in and getting your feet wet. He's got a nice bio on his website. Quote, Jeff Nania is a former law enforcement officer, conservationist, biofuel creator, and an award-winning author. Published by Little Creek Press, the books in his Northern Lakes mystery series, Figure 8, Spider Lake, and Bow Cutter have been recognized by the Midwest Book Awards, Independent Publisher Book Awards, and Next Generation Indie Book Awards. His narrative nonfiction writing has appeared in Wisconsin Outdoor News, Double Gun Journal, The Outlook, and other publications. Born and raised in Wisconsin, Jeff's family settled in Madison's story, Greenbush Neighborhood. His father often loaded Jeff, his brothers, and a couple of dogs in an old Jeep station wagon for outdoor adventures. These foundational experiences fostered a sense of community, a passion for outdoor traditions, and a love of our natural resources. Serving in many law enforcement roles, Jeff was a decorated officer, a member of the first canine unit patrolling with his dog, Rossi. Things changed and Jeff found himself knee-deep in wetland restoration. He received the National Wetlands Award and Outdoor Life magazine named Jeff one of the nation's 25 most influential conservationists for his his habitat work. The Wisconsin State commended Jeff, the Wisconsin Senate, sorry, commended Jeff with a joint resolution for his work with wetlands education and a nonpartisan advisor on environmental issues. Now a full-time novelist, Jeff spends as much time possible fishing Spider Lake, my Spider Lake, I think, <laughs> and exploring Wisconsin's landscape with his friends and family. Find more of Jeff's writing online at feetwetwriting.com and follow him on social media. And there are some really interesting articles that Nania has written on his website, as well as some video interviews he's done about books, as well as the other Northern locals that he has talked to. I love his passion for conservation of Wisconsin, and he's someone I would definitely add to my list of authors to have a beer with. Since he is the most local of the authors to have a beer with, he might be the one to get this started. So Jeff, if by any chance you are listening, because I am going to email you, Email me back at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com, no apostrophe in the don't, and let's grab a lineys and some cheese curds together sometime. Getting into the book, I was both excited and nervous to read the book that made me break my no-buy book here. Local, local authors can be good, but they can also be terrible, and I was afraid for that terrible part. 
I wouldn't regret spending the money or supporting a local bookstore, but I might regret the time spent reading it and just be disappointed overall. Because if you haven't realized, I don't have a ton of free time right now. I know a few good Wisconsin authors that I enjoy, but not a ton. And let me tell you up front, in case you haven't figured it out, that I love this book and I'm so glad I picked it up. Honestly, if it wasn't good and I hadn't enjoyed it, I might not have even used it on the podcast or admitted that I broke my no-buy book here. But this is the only thing that I've broken it on was just this book. (laughs) It's the only book that I have bought this year. The other books that I've gotten were um, gifts or they were uh, books that I bought using a gift card and the gift card was a gift. So haven't broken at all except for this one. So Nania made me laugh several times and at times it might not have been intentional with how much this book is a representation of what I've lived and what so many Wisconsinites have lived. This is definitely a Wisconsin up north book. (laughs) Of course, as I mentioned, there's talk of lining Kugel's beer and deep fried cheese curds. But the language he writes in, the main character's personality, the suspiciousness and gossip in the small town, it's all what I've lived and breathed my whole life. It's so familiar, it's like settling into a warm hoodie. A warm, worn hoodie. (laughs) And that's definitely part of the charm. The book and the series is about Achan Cabrelli, a retired Madison police officer who is working to overcome a career-ending shooting. Cabrelli ends up inheriting his uncle's home in northern Wisconsin, where John spent the summers of his youth. While it's been decades since he's been back, he returns to settle the estate and solve the mysterious death of his uncle. The book has one of my favorite tropes the inheritance, and returning after a traumatic event to start over again. And I usually find this trope more in women's fiction, but I was really pleased to see it in the story and this setting. I've been looking for a good murder mystery series too. This is also borderline cozy mystery, though I'm not sure Nania would appreciate the categorization of that. While the beginning of the story starts with John sharing the story of the shooting that ended his career, it's very heavy, very politically loaded, but it's not central to the story. It's heartbreaking, and I think Nania could have focused a lot more on that part of things, but that incident seems like it's more of a means to an end. He could have done a much darker series and John struggling with the shooting, but good friends and a strong support system John's able to pull himself out of that dark place. I do wonder if his past will come back to haunt him, though, in the subsequent books. The fact that Nanian doesn't dwell on the trauma or the politics is definitely a benefit for the book and makes it a little more readable. Now, I'm not saying that those conversations don't have their place, but in a murder mystery of this type, I don't think is the place. John is a very typical hero type. He's almost a little too perfect. He's the kind of police officer that I wish police officers actually were, which leads me to believe there's a little bit of Nania in his writing of his main character. I've talked at length on my views on the police, and like any career, there are good actors and bad actors. I'd like to think that Nania, like John, is one of the good ones. Of course, there are some imperfections that he has, but mostly he's the stereotypical, like, quote, good guy, which is kind of why I categorize this as more of a cozy mystery. It's when John gets up to Namakagan County, which I probably pronounced that wrong, and I'm a Wisconsinite, so it's a little embarrassing, <laughs> that things really click into place for me. Muskie Falls. When he gets up to Muskie Falls, that's what I should have said. <laughs> it's a bit stereotypical small town as well. 
It's gossipy and the locals are suspicious of city folk despite needing them for the tourism, which is something that Ananya points out as well. But stereotypes are that way for a reason, and this is a lot like a lot of the small towns that I know in Wisconsin. Lake property is in very high demand, so John's inheritance sounds pretty reasonable, honestly, in my estimation, especially considering there are two homes on the property, the main house and a cabin. Sounds like a beautiful property, and I can envision it in my mind, which is partially Nanya's writing, but also my own childhood memories of my spider lake. I also like Julie a lot, despite looking for reasons to kind of pick her apart as a strong woman being written by a man, but I think he overall he does a really good job. She's funky and, of course, short and cute, but I like her personality and what a hard worker she is. She's obviously someone who's a reflection of Nania a bit herself as well. Julie runs an alternative school that's focused on nature conservation and experience rather than book and classroom work. Part of Julie's motivation is due to her brother, who is not book smart, but still hardworking and intelligent. He worked for John's uncle as a handyman and around the property and quickly becomes friends with John. Julie, on the other hand, is presented as a bit of an enigma, but in my estimation seems to be a pretty down-to-earth and straightforward person. The characters are well-written, even if a bit stereotypical of small-town northern Wisconsin. There's, of course, the idealism of small-town living that comes with a lot of books that are set in small towns. And then there is the murder, and to my surprise, one of the bad guys is a local deputy. I'm glad that Nania, being a former officer himself, didn't make all the police officers just salt-of-the-earth good people as he may have been tempted to. The novel is told in story form as John lies in a hospital bed sharing with the local journalist. While the journalist isn't really vital to the story, he's used as a plot device, though it's a plot device that works. As the reader, I was invested in John's well-being, but considering I already knew that this was a series, I really wasn't too concerned about his health. I was convinced that he was going to pull through. John is a little bit obtuse about Laura, but I think that's pretty clear to the reader. He loves the fast-paced life, and I definitely relate to that. I'm always busy. It seems like it's not always intentional, but I do really enjoy it. Something I struggle with, though, how do I slow down? And John seems to be able to do this quite easily. He comments, quote, Man, from Italian loafers, pressed jeans, and a fancy Japanese sports car to work boots, a sweatshirt, and a Jeep. His transition seems quick and easy, though I don't know if it will be for me when I retire. I will say I've got the country girl routine down quite well. I've mentioned before I'm half city girl, half country girl. I can fit in both locations, but I don't always feel like I fit in 100%. I'm still a little too country for the city and too city for the country. And Nania writes in an authentic town of Muskie Falls. There's Muskie Fest, which reminds me of a million festivals and craft fairs that I went to growing up. I was so pleasantly surprised when Muskie Falls had a street dance, (laughs) and I couldn't help but love the Happy Hooker Bait Shop, which also reminded me of the classic movies Grumpy Old Men and Grumpier Old Men, even though they're set in Minnesota. Nania's writing is real and authentic. It's definitely not perfect. There were a few spots where I was able to call out that the writing was a little more tell than show, which is a common critique of new authors, I think. It's so Wisconsin that it feels at times a little cliche, but I really loved every moment of it, and I can't wait to read the next book in the series. 
The first book that we talked about today, Figure Eight, is actually unscribed. So if you haven't checked that out yet, do it. Use the link in my show notes to get 60 days free. Nania reads the first book himself as an audiobook. And I didn't listen to the whole thing because I didn't know it was there until after I'd finished it, finished the actual book, the one that I bought. But he's got a really great voice. I listened to a little bit of it, and I think it'll be a great audiobook. The other books in the series are on ebook, unscribed as well, though I'd like to have them signed and in my collection. Plus, I think my folks might want to read the series too, and then I can get the books and then share with them. I'll be patient for the next books and ask for gifts or wait until I'm done with my no buy book year so I won't break it again. I'm going to give this one a 3.5 out of 5. Honestly, it's probably closer to a 3. It's a good solid book, but since I'm from Wisconsin and I also grew up on Spider Lake, it touches a chord within me and I have to give it higher than a 3. Goodreads gives it a 4.17. One reviewer said, I really do like this kind of small town mysteries, and this one is great. The writings of Nania is fantastic. His description of the various states in John's life and the environment around Spider Lake is wonderful. And I would have to agree with that. I love the descriptions. I love that small town feel, even though it's a very idyllic small town feel. Quote, I really wanted to like this. Nania's writing is very workmanlike. Short, simple sentence followed by short, simple sentence. The book reads something like an outline that has been filled in with details just enough to make it book length. And I would agree with some of this a little bit. It is, his writing is a little workmanlike and it's very easy reading. But I don't think that's a, necessarily a bad thing. And I I really liked the story. I enjoyed his writing. Is it like the best ever? No, it's not. But he's also not, you know, a lifetime author. And, and he was a police officer for so long. So those things don't always go hand in hand. Also, quote, a great introduction to the series. We learned John's tragic backstory while launching into his dire circumstances. In some ways, I think this book might be more successful with us Wisconsinites, but it's an also fun, cozy mystery with a good representation for those who aren't familiar with Wisconsin. It's a good, easy read, and I would definitely recommend picking it up. For the media recommendations this week, Fatal Attraction on Paramount+. Plus. Though I'm not sure if this is a real recommendation yet or not. The jury is still out on this one. I've just started it, and I'm not sure how it's being done quite yet. There are some great parts for sure. I adore Joshua Jackson, although they did an incredible job of making him look like a middle-aged white man, though I guess he is a middle-aged white man. Last week, I talked about uh, how my crushes have definitely aged, and I miss the Joshua Jackson from The Affair, but I enjoy him as an actor, and I think he plays the role really well. He's arrogant, wealthy, and so boringly average. And if you're familiar with the original movie, you know it's a beautiful woman who comes into his life and makes him feel alive again. Though I'm just not sure how they're going to play out her mental illness. I do love how an old coworker of his calls out that we blame women victims. If a woman is raped, you know, we ask, what is she wearing and how much did she have to drink? But in his case, he's blaming the murder victim for being crazy. So how much of that craziness is mental illness and how much are we going to just use that trope of the crazy woman? It'll be interesting to see where the show goes. I'm intrigued to see enough to see it through, but I'm very interested in that mental illness piece and how that gets handled. 
Also, uh, the podcast Death in Ice Valley from BBC World Service. It's from 2018, so it's a bit of an older podcast and one that's still unresolved, which I don't normally gravitate to. It's about the Istel woman who was found in Bergen, Norway, November 29th, 1970, and it's a case that has gripped Norway for decades. The case was reopened back in 2016 and continues to this day. The mystery is if she was murdered or if she took her own life. And personally, it reminded me of the Somerton Man mystery, which was recently solved, or at least they know who the Somerton Man is. So there's still hope for Norway and the Estelle woman. It's older, but it's very well done and I think worth a listen. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. Or I'm sorry, Instagram at don't read drunk. Email me at don't read drunk at gmail.com. Check out my website at don't read drunk.buzzsprout.com. This is a hobby podcast, so anything you can donate is appreciated. You can do a one-time donation on PayPal, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. No apostrophe in any of those don'ts. And you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sun Up, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sun Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also, Supernova Coffee and Donuts, downtown Milwaukee. Don't forget about my new sponsor, Aaron Rothley Fine Arts. You can find Karen on Etsy and Facebook. Next episode, The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Bye and talk to you soon.